Good morning, folks. Today is Friday, July 29th. Welcome to episode number 164 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Osier, and over the next 30 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner or if you're looking to break into the industry there's going to be some value here for you i promise you now shout out and thanks to this stream sponsor part of the reason y'all don't have to watch commercials or google ads or whatever much love and respect thank you barricade cyber solutions for sponsoring the stream cyber criminals have stolen your company's data and derailed your business operations this actually happens listen criminals mess up your system okay it's not good for business barricade cyber solutions they're in the business of helping you resolve the ransomware attacks and getting your business back on track i'm telling you guys right now it doesn't matter if you're analyst one or if you're a CISO. if you don't have a plan for your organization if you got hit with ransomware today and things just stopped working and you'd be bumping into each other anxiety dumping or adrenaline dumping it's it's not a good situation i mean it is if you know what you're doing and how to handle it um it's actually exhilarating um i mean not that you want to deal with a bad situation but it is exhilarating so if you don't have a plan you don't have a solution consider setting up a no obligation you basically get on the phone with with eric and the team over at barricade and talk about what you know what your situation is and how they might be able to help you barricade cyber solutions great people I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs like SysP, SISA, SISM, each episode like this one of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE, so two and a half a week. It's Friday, so if you've been here all week, boom, you got two and a half. Ten a month, roughly, roughly ten a month, right? We have different amount of days each month, but trust me, they stack up. You're going to blow out your CPE requirements easily and it will be an incredibly enjoyable experience much better than watching a webinar on identity and access management now how do you get credit for the cps obviously you have to be here but sometimes auditors push back and they're like i don't know were you really there is this simply cyber daily briefing worth a damn you can be like just say what's up in chat it'll get burned into the stream forever forensically sound evidence chain of custody the works and you can just point to that and say, go watch these 32 videos. I did each one. That's 16 CPEs. Now back up off me. Okay. So just say what's up in chat. Where are you coming from? Where are you at? What you got planned this Friday, uh, this weekend? Because it is the weekend. If you are live, I see 76 of you there. Just on the Simply Cyber YouTube channel. Many more coming in from other streams. LinkedIn, Josh Mason's YouTube channel. A couple other ones. Maybe Threat Gen's in there. I'm not sure. Love it. Thank you so much for getting up early on a Friday or coming in late if you're somewhere else in the world. Maybe Australia like Chris Rock. Shout out to Chris Rock. Great guest last night on Simply Cyber Live. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. If you're watching on replay, I understand Left Coast. It can be tough getting up early. We're going to find out in two weeks when I'm in Vegas doing the Simply Cyber Daily Threat Briefing live on Pacific Coast time. Get a true appreciation for the left coast go ahead and drop a comment in chat so you do get credit for those cpes hashtag team replay is a fine option for your comment identify it's a tribe of team replays love it poner joe definitely running game on the team replay love it 
Nick Barker's getting up. Yulichua. Do love the team replay, folks. Now, if you are on replay, I say it every day, you have the benefit of time travel. You can just hit jump, jump, jump um, on the podcast or grab the slider and slide it to the right and get right into the news. So when this little promo card here changes from my uh, you know, face and title uh, to news, that means we're off and running. But as I love to do, and today is absolutely no exception because I haven't had a sip of coffee yet, I'm going to spend the next, you know, 90 seconds, 120 seconds, John, with everybody welcoming you in, saying what's up, people in the back, come on up to the front. There's no, no strangers here. We're all friends. Welcome to the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, y'all. Good morning, Lewis Diamond. Hey, Tony Roy. Will Reed. Love seeing Will Reed in chat. Good to see you, Will. Benny Rodriguez. Nick Barker. What up? Yeah, buddy. I'm going to be living that West Coast life uh, pretty soon. I even, you want to know how much I love next red versus blue is Wednesday, 1130 AM. Michael Starnes. I will be going head to head against the beard cyber Matt Lee. I've actually had to rearrange my schedule. I was, some people wanted to meet up with me Thursday late in Vegas and I had to decline because I cannot stay up late in Vegas and then get up on Friday morning and do the cyber threat briefing. Unless you guys want to see me like a mess and nobody's in nobody wants to see that hey pamela good to see you lupe peterman lupe gets the job and then goes underground lupe i haven't seen you in a minute i hope everything's going well the new job the new gig life is grand i hope let us know or let me know if you want to prefer to dm amadou baga to see you hey patrick moss yeah i hope we win i've had a bad bad streak here the last couple days um I've had a bad streak these last couple. Oh, okay. Hashtag team replay for Lupe Peterman. Good to hear that. Hey, Jess Bishop. Oh, guys, one final thing um, or two couple things. One, we'll be doing World of Haiku uh, Steam Key License Raffle later today. The final one of the week. We've been having a great week raffling off World of Haiku. I've been live streaming it, gameplay in it uh, with some of the members of the community. It's been great. So stay tuned. I'm looking forward to sharing uh, that with one lucky winner. Um, I'm also... Um, I'm seeing now that Vegas is underwater. Apparently, I'll have to uh, I'll have to investigate. Maybe bring some swimmies with me out on on the uh, on the train. Thank you, Chandler Shub. That is future pop. Mm. Nice. Eric Silberman picked up World of Haiku. Very nice. McLarty with an interview. Oh yeah. Hey, can I do some sound effects? Yes. McLarty, good luck, man. Or, or woman, I'm not sure. Good luck, person. I, I do hope everything's well. Yeah, let me just share this really quick. We could talk about this for a minute, guys. If you didn't catch the live stream last night, I do it every Thursday. And it's always, I would, you know, in my biased opinion, it's always good. Last night with Chris Rock from Sea Monster, like hacker extraordinaire, multi-time DEF CON presenter. He's doing a talk called Killer Hurts on Friday of DEF CON and he came on the show and wow, what an interesting, interesting professional who really, I don't want to say he doesn't have any filter, but like he, there was nothing that he wasn't willing to talk about and go into detail. A very, very um, generous guest, uh, extending lots of grace and being um, very forthcoming. Just an awesome interview. If you did not see it, I, 
strongly suggest you check it out. It is something else. It was so good. Um, so hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Those who were in uh, the stream last night, it was a, it was a lot of fun. It was awesome. All right, guys, let me take another pull off this supersized cup of coffee. Uh, compliments of the Charleston local uh, Air Force Base. Um, the Loadmasters over there hooked me up with a with a mug. Love it. Mm. And I want to remind you all that it is Friday, which besides being the kickoff to the weekend, which is dynamite, it is joke of the day. My son, some of you may be new here, my son, 10-year-old, uh, provides a joke of the day every Friday, and today is no different. So we will be getting into that at the break when we do our live stream. But I think that's enough pleasantries for today. Everybody, sit back, relax, and let's get into the news. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. It's Friday, July 29th, 2022. Hackers are opting for new attack methods after Microsoft blocks macros by default. With Microsoft taking steps to block Excel 4.0 and Visual Basic for Applications macros by default across Office apps, malicious actors are responding by refining their new tactics, techniques, and procedures. A report from Proofpoint says that in its place, adversaries are moving to container files such as ISO and RAR as well as Windows shortcut LNK files in campaigns to distribute malware, which Proofpoint calls a significant shift in the threat landscape. They write, quote, the number of campaigns containing LNK files increased 1,675% since October 2021, end quote, adding the number of attacks using HTML attachments more than doubled over the same time period. Microsoft. All right. So this is um, not not surprising. Okay. Um, one second. I want this really quick because this is actually very valuable and very uh, germane to what we do day in and day out in in our industry. Okay. Okay. So check it out. Proofpoint wrote this piece of research. Proofpoint is what I would consider an upper right quadrant email security gateway solution provider. And when I say upper right quadrant, um, Gartner has this like quadrant thing. And basically all the vendors, some people say you pay to play, but it doesn't matter. Upper right quadrant just means like best of best of best product, best in class, all that stuff. Like you want to be in the upper right, upper right quadrant. Okay. So proof point is super legit. Okay. So when they're, when they're releasing this, it is based on a ton of actual real data. They have lots and lots, like millions of emails running through their um, solutions every day. So they have a ton of rich data to pull this type of research from. Now, what's interesting here is that, um, and this is, this is so spot on for threat actors, Microsoft bans or, or puts a, um, a kibosh on kind of macro-laden Office documents, right? So they're either getting stripped uh, in email transit or on the operating system, the endpoint, um, the Microsoft Office solution is not uh, running them, right? So these new file formats is uh, Excel 4, which I hadn't even heard of, um, or, or macros are disabled. Basically, the techniques that threat actors have been using for years to run VBA code locally on your machine, ultimately to run PowerShell, ultimately to pull something down, 
onto your endpoint, which is then going to be nasty bit of malware. That's not working anymore, but threat actors are going to threat act and they're going to find a way around, which by the way, is why this industry is so awesome. It never gets boring. Okay. And the stakes are real. The ribeyes are real people. So what they're saying is that threat actors have basically shifted instead of sending Excel documents with a macro or whatever, they're sending password protected ISO files or LNK files or uh, RAR files, which are basically like um, uh, archive files, like zip files. And when you, when you open them, they, they run and, um, you know, basically can execute malware. Now, this mark of the web thing is also an interesting um, technique that Microsoft has employed as a protection mechanism. It is incredibly frustrating. It has added a lot of friction to my life because if I download uh, something from the internet, right? Like I'm looking for a risk assessment template or whatever, as an example, and I pull down an, and then you use Google dorking to say file type equals XLS, right? You can, you can filter Google results to just be what you want. And then you go to open it in office and it gives you some error message that this thing like came from the internet and you, you know, don't know what you're doing. So, um, this mark of the web kind of is frustrating, but at the same time, it protects Carl from, you know, detonating malware on himself. Long story short, I would consider being mindful, educate your, your, your team, right? Your information security team. And if you're a large enough organization and you have a separate email team, um, educate them that this this is happening right this is kind of the the development of the threat actor approach into getting malware into endpoint uh, into end users inboxes okay um and by the way i find it really interesting because i mean i don't know if this is like me aging myself or whatever but iso files are typically image files right so like a like a Linux distribution, or you get the Kali ISO, right? Or the Windows 10 ISO. Usually ISOs are huge, right? You would never email like a 32 gig file to someone. So to me, you know, maybe I'm wrong and there are small ISOs, but for the most part, if you see an ISO in email as an attachment, that should be like a red flag already. But ISO RAR and LNK files, also HTML files. It doesn't say it here, but if you see an HTML file attachment, um, you should be a little leery. Those I've seen those uh, techniques as well. There is an opportunity here to update and educate your end users as well. It gets a little tricky because now you're going to start talking about file type extensions. And that, even though that's basic for us, that starts to get a little uh, uh, dicey for end users. Uh, but just you know, there, there is an elegant way. I'd have to think about how I would do it personally, but educate your end users, but really you should, um, this, these emails shouldn't be getting to your end users, which is the, the power of a, of a, um, capable email security gateway. And that's why you use one. Okay. 365 outage knocks down admin center in North America. A new hit Microsoft 365 yesterday with administrators in North America seeing blank pages and 404 errors or no perceivable error message at all when trying to access the Microsoft 365 admin center. The company revealed on the Microsoft 365 service health status page, quote, this outage could affect any admin in North America, end quote. Microsoft is, of course, working on discovering the issue that triggered this incident and trying to find a potential fix to address its impact on North American admins. 
Wow. Okay, so this is, I mean, this is interesting um, in, in that, so the admin portal, many, many of us use Office 365, okay? So if you don't use it, um, let me just explain very, very quickly why this is a big deal, okay? Many of us use Office 365. It provides email, um, OneDrive, file storage, SharePoint, file sharing, right? Many, many businesses are on Office 365, okay? So there's a huge footprint. Now, the admin page of Office 365, the admin.office.com, that allows, get ready for it, admins, that allows IT staff basically to go in and change a user's password, check logins, look for geolocation, right? Like it is, it's called admin and you can do user administration. And remember in the new paradigm of zero trust architecture, like the identity, the user is really, really important to make sure that you're securing and keeping eyes on and stuff like that. And that's kind of like what the admin portal is. You can do other stuff too. You can do exchange configuration and all, all this other stuff. You, you literally are administering your instance of the Office 365 instance in the cloud, okay? It's, it's the interface for that, right? This is not Azure, okay? Azure's different. The, think of Azure as almost like access to infrastructure or platform as a service, and the Office 365 is like, is like a platform as a service, okay? Like it's, it's, it's abstracted higher. So when you're administering it, you're toggling and configuring um, the settings of these systems. So for the admin portal to be down is huge. This is, in my opinion, completely unacceptable, right? Like if you're trying to admin your environment, end user calls in and says, hey, um, so I just you know got notified that I logged in from you know Guyana. Um, what's up with that? Or hey, my password's broken. Like, I cannot go in and do anything if that portal is not accessible. If I'm getting a 404, which means site not reachable, I might as well sit on my thumb. You know what I mean? So like, this is, um, it's like getting kneecapped. Like, you can't do your job. You can't admin your environment. This is a major thing. Now, the status.office.com, much like every other cloud service in the world. They have a website. I bet you if we go here, it'll be like green check marks uh, with different regions. Um, let's see. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to log in there because it's probably going to take me into some Office 365 instances that I manage and, and that would be bad OPSEC. <laughs> um, but long story short, this sucks uh, and Microsoft better get it straightened out. Uh, Microsoft's such a behemoth though that you're, your retaliation options are limited. Oh, and by the way, since um, we could just talk about this for a hot second, um, there's a term called vendor lock-in, right? We could do an entire discussion about vendor lock-in, but at its root, vendor lock-in is where a vendor makes it very easy for you to migrate into their platform and makes it incredibly painful to migrate out of your platform. So you're locked into them and they love it because they charge you every month a subscription fee. And as you get bigger, it costs more money as they change their rates because they bake in that four and a half million dollar data breach. Uh, we saw yesterday where IBM's pushing that value back into the services as they ratchet it up. Oh, it's inflation, it's inflation. You're, you're, you're locked in and it's very difficult to get out. Why do I bring up vendor lock-in? Because I am unable to administer my user environment yesterday and what do I have for options other than complaining into this microphone, right? I don't have any options. 
oh, if you don't like it, go somewhere else. Where the hell am I going to go? And by the way, it's incredibly painful to, to, to decouple myself from Office 365. Now, having said all that, I do like Office 365. I've been very pleased with how Microsoft has progressed from a security perspective over the last, I'd say like, seven years like microsoft used to be a joke when it came to security like literally it was a punchline and then they've come leaps and bounds and now i actually think defender for endpoint is a, a legit uh edr tool long story short microsoft better get this straight now because this this is not good for for anybody 22 million u.s health records breached thus far in 2022 this is according to a new report from Global Data, which also forecasts that spending on cybersecurity in the global healthcare industry will increase by nearly $400 million in the next three years. Included in these breaches is not just regular PII, but also private health information, PHI, which can include one's medical history, along with address, email addresses, and social security numbers, this being perfectly suited for phishing schemes that target patients for further exploitation. Unlike credit card information or PII, medical history cannot be changed, making it much more valuable on the black market. Okay, yep. So, you know, the point of this story is spending on cybersecurity in the healthcare is projected to go up $400 million. Um, and, you know, a bunch of people's medical records are getting breached. Couple things here. One, I worked in healthcare for about six years as a um, in the GRC side, and then um, a, a, an, as an architect, a cybersecurity architect, and then um, quote unquote, I wasn't given the title, but I was basically doing the CISO's job um, because he delegated his job to me essentially, um, which is fine. Which is fine. No, no hard feelings. Um, couple things one healthcare is a awesome environment like if you want to get some like real experience and like some real chops and deal with some real infosec problems healthcare is a really really cool industry to work in um again the stakes are quite high because you're dealing with patient safety um healthcare very personal and private data there's a lot of privacy elements if you want to get into that space um also it gets really hard because you're dealing with hardware manufacturers of very very expensive machines that are very specialized and you can't just it's like almost like i am um, industrial control systems if you if you're familiar with like I, ics ot type stuff operational technology you can't just apply like a windows update right away to an x-ray machine or an mri machine or heaven forbid a machine that is like pushing drugs into a patient at that time right you like the stakes are high and it's really really cool uh at the same time though you know they say 400 million dollars being uh pushed into the healthcare market I, I don't know i found it to be a bit of an uphill battle um you know i was on a team of like 12 and i felt like we were actually like a big team um at a at a at a five billion dollar annual revenue company so you know what i mean like everybody we interacted with it was a lot of bu bubble gum and duct tape um so you know every industry is sorely in need of more infosec dollars for sure uh, i guess i just wanted to point out that i thought healthcare like i've worked in federal it healthcare manufacturing and um financial services briefly and healthcare was really the most like it's just 
very interesting. You're dealing with all sorts of very different, interesting personalities. Like clinical staff have their own language. Um, it was cool. It was cool. I guess what I'm trying to say is if you're trying to figure out what industry to lean into, healthcare is a good one, especially if you're a clinical person. And I see a lot of these. If you're a clinical person trying to pivot into cybersecurity, you should definitely stay in healthcare because if you have that lexicon to be able to speak to clinical staff, they will have higher respect for you, right? Especially the physicians. They are a unique brand of individual. Fallout from massive Shanghai police data breach reverberates on the dark web. The availability of supposedly hacked Chinese data on the dark web appears to have surged in recent weeks on the heels of the massive Shanghai National Police breach that we reported on two weeks ago and which was one of the largest ever recorded. While there were an average of 14 monthly leaks from Chinese entities posted to breach forums between March and June, in the first 15 days of July the total jumped to 25, setting a pace for more than 50 by month end. The surge in Chinese data posted to the forum came alongside a significant increase in the quantity of Chinese language activity on the predominantly English-speaking forum. Interesting. So, I wonder if this is a play for money. Okay, so there's massive data breach. We covered it in the in the daily cyber threat briefing, um, you know, earlier in the week. And then the Chinese government kind of like lost their mind and wanted to talk to um, essentially the internet, not the internet, like the Amazon, right? It wasn't Alibaba, but whoever was hosting that data share, they brought them in and wanted to, to talk to them, right? And we all joked about how, you know, you don't want to be that the, the CEO or whatever getting brought into the Chinese government's office uh, for talking to. Well... There have been data leaks in China, but now there's like, it's like uh, the crack in the dam that really pushed and now it's broken. And people are posting all sorts of data, stolen data. Now, what if you think about how like the authoritative regime of China, I'm speculating based on what I know. I, I sometimes get blown up in DMs after I say stuff like this on stream. So I'm just qualifying it. I'm not a geopolitical expert, but... Based on what I've seen, you know, kind of the authoritative regime of China, uh, individuals may be reluctant to take a chance uh, because of repercussions or, you know, disappearing uh, for posting data. But with this main huge breach coming out, it's almost like top cover, if you will, or it seems like top cover, like, oh, you know, if this person is stealing all of the money and I just take a couple bucks out of the till you know, authorities are probably more likely to go after them and not me. Maybe that's kind of the mindset here, but more people are posting data, which I'm sure is pissing off uh, the Chinese government to no end. Um, that's one thought I have. And then the other one makes me think, I wonder if like, you know, they're running really strict uh, COVID protocol lockdowns in China, like whole regions are getting shut down, or at least that was the case when I checked in a few months ago. So if you're unable to make money to buy food to pay for to feed your children, you may be compelled to take more extreme actions, including um, trying to sell something you own of value, like data. Right. So that is possible. It's probably a a, um, a very rare instance that I'm talking about. It's because not everybody's just like sitting on data, right? No one's just not everybody's sitting on data. But I, I do I do think that that top cover thing kind of um set the tone for okay like let's do this 
Uh, and plus, they're all on the dark web and stuff. Although China is a very competent cyber uh, power. So if, I'm sure if they wanted to find the source of these uh, individuals posting data for sale, they, they probably could. All right, let's, let's pay the bills with uh, CISO series. Thanks to this week's episode sponsor, Sneak. Developers want to code fast and security wants to ship securely. And that's why they both choose Sneak. Backed by industry-leading security intelligence, Sneak provides real-time scanning with automated fixes and remediation advice right from the tools and workflows developers use. Code, dependencies, containers, cloud infrastructure, all of it. And while developers are building securely, Sneak gives security teams a bird's-eye view of all of their projects so they can prioritize and focus their efforts in the right places. Developer tested, security approved. Start your free Sneak account at sneak.co slash cybersecurity. That's S-N-Y-K dot C-O slash cybersecurity. All right. Thank you to CISO Series. Let me turn some music on really quick. So I just want to take a minute here, guys, and point out the world of Haiku. World of Haiku is this new, like, Steam game that's basically set in like a near future world uh very cyberpunk vibes um you know it, it's fun it's fun i'm playing it on stream it teaches you uh basic linux skills and basic pen testing skills and it's done in a fun interesting way good graphics um i'll be playing it later today at 4 p.m eastern standard time if you're interested uh, i'll share that but it is available on Steam right now, and all week I have been raffling off Steam license keys, and today is no different. So, let me just confirm that I got the keyword in here. I do. If you would like to enter the raffle that I will be pulling the winner later in this stream, about 20 minutes from now, go ahead and drop the word haiku in chat right now. Haiku. H-A-I-K-U. You. you can see right at the top of the stream, it's written in white letters, H-A-I-K-U, Haiku. Devin Boland's got it. Go ahead and enter. While you guys are entering, I will tell you the Grayson joke of the day. You guys ready? Here we go. Grayson joke of, uh, uh, joke of the week, joke of the week, okay? How many cybersecurity professionals does it take to screw in a light bulb? How many cybersecurity professionals does it take to screw in a light bulb? Mm. All right. The answer, how many cybersecurity professionals does it take to screw in a light bulb? None. They prefer dark mode. None. It's all about that dark mode life. Thank you, Grayson. Exactly. Tom Bishop nailed it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Got to turn on that dark mode. All right. Thank you, Grayson, for the joke. I will be picking the winner of the, um, the haiku raffle later on in the stream. Just want to point out here, you can see... If you go to simplycyber.io slash streams, which is basically across the banner at the top, the URL, you can see it in white letters at the top. It will show you all of the upcoming streams for Simply Cyber. This is the world of Haiku. This is in seven hours, 4 p.m. today. 
we will continue playing. So if you want to come hang out, it's a very chill stream. It is Friday afternoon. I might even have a pint um, with me. We'll see. Uh, but come hang out with us. It'll be a good time. Let's get back to the news. Wordfly data breach impacts clients in the arts and sciences. Security Week reports digital marketing firm Wordfly suffered a data breach that has taken all of its services offline for the past two weeks. According to Wordfly's most recent status update, a system disruption was first detected on July 10th and within hours all services hosted internally, including its backup services, were shut down. On July 14th, it was discovered the intruder exfiltrated data, including usernames, email, and other important information, but Wordfly claims the attacker deleted the data the following day. Among the organizations affected by this breach are the Smithsonian's National Zoo and Conservation Biology Institute, the Canadian Opera Company, the Toronto Symphony Orchestra, and the Canadian Stage Company. All right. Novel so based on what I can tell about this, this Wordfly service is, um, it's like a marketing firm that handles like newsletters, um, you know, and, and, and that type of like marketing awareness, sales kind of communication, right? So uh, like Simply Cyber, uh, I just launched the new website. You might notice that on the website page, there is a, email capture right so if you want you can put your username um your name and email address and you'll sign up essentially for a newsletter now i'm the one who's sending the newsletters so expect them to not be uh incredibly frequent or pushy but if i if i wanted to i could hire a service like wordfly and they would handle all that for me big businesses do that so wordfly gets popped sounds very much like a double extortion ransomware incident where their systems are disrupted and their data is exfiltrated. I mean, this is, you know, ransomware in 2022, 101, the basics, right? Get in, steal the data, and then try to get paid on both ends. Um, what's interesting is Wordfly's client base includes some big people, right? Like Smithsonian's National Zoo and Conservation, the Toronto Symphony Orchestra, et cetera. Now, you might be like, well, who cares about the Smithsonian's National Zoo and Conservation? Okay, here's why it matters. Who knows what kind of that data that is, but a lot of times, a lot of times data like this won't just have email address. It might also include like donor information, right? So if someone donates $10,000 a year to the Smithsonian, they might have a flag and they get a more tailored newsletter or email or maybe they get the emails about hey it's time for the you know the the autumn gala at two thousand dollars a plate right you're not going to send that to everybody uh because it's not going to hit but maybe you know the, the people who do donate right so for example like i don't know if that data is in this word fly dump but my point is um you can use it that way you can also use it for phishing where you know you know these people are into the you know smithsonian zoo is biology right so maybe you craft a a targeted phishing email um the one thing you know that the one thing that is odd to me like i guess this means phishing as a service platform I, this is new to me guys i mean i'm not surprised it's 2022 it's like everything as a service is like the new buzzword but have you guys seen or heard has anyone 
phishing as a service platform? Like I've never heard of that. I mean, I guess you just feed it email addresses and they take care of the rest, but Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. So this is like one of those roundup kind of articles. So this is actually three different stories. So this, this is the only one that we're actually talking about. Okay. I got kind of confused, but at the same time, I've never heard of phishing as a service platform. So add that to the list. Where hijacks Facebook business accounts. This new malware is hijacking high-profile meta Facebook business and advertising platform accounts through a phishing campaign that targets LinkedIn accounts. The malware, dubbed DuckTail, uses browser cookies from authenticated user sessions to take over accounts and steal data. Researchers from WithSecure, formerly FSecure, discovered the ongoing campaign which appears to be the work of financially driven Vietnamese threat actors. The company stated in their report, quote, the malware is designed to steal browser cookies and take advantage of authenticated Facebook sessions to steal information from the victim's Facebook account and ultimately hijack any Facebook business account that the victim has sufficient access to. All right. Radiation alert. Couple things here. A couple things here. And this isn't going to be totally inclusive of everybody. Uh, I'm basically targeting Americans that are probably over 35 right now. It's codenamed DuckTail, right? Did anyone else think like DuckTails, woo, right? Like that's the immediate thing that went in my head. Again, that's not a really inclusive inside joke, but if you know what I'm talking about, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, so novel malware, okay? This right here is very important to share, okay? I would recommend strongly that there is a niche group of people in this chat right now or watching on replay that need to take action on this, okay? So really quick, the story says that there is a highly motivated, obviously sufficiently skilled Vietnamese threat actor group who is targeting individuals on LinkedIn through a phishing campaign, which by the way, they can use the power of LinkedIn's filtering capabilities to curate essentially a target, right? So spear phishing, they call it regular phishing, but basically they're spear phishing, right? Who do we want to go after today? Financial services, you know, in California, whatever. Okay. So you can filter down very quickly and then they're phishing them, likely sending them a DM. It didn't say this in the story, but this is how I would do it. Sending them a DM with an attachment of some sorts. We just saw in a previous story from Proofpoint, that they're sending these ISOs, HTMLs, LNKs, RARs, right? It's and, and the people who they're sending it to are working in kind of the PR marketing department because they're gonna they're ultimately trying to get the business account of the the Facebook business account, okay? And most times there's a PR or HR or whatever person, not HR, PR or marketing person who's gonna control that, okay? And the reality is just, I mean, let's be real, right? Everybody's running with like 50 tabs open, right? Or at least a few tabs. You're logged into the Facebook um, meta business account because you're talking about the deals of the day or really excited for Black Hat DEF CON next week or in two weeks or whatever. You know, whatever it is, you've got those tabs open because your day-to-day -day job requires you to interact with clients, sales funnels, respond to inquiries, troubleshooting, friction points for customers, whatever. You're managing the brand and you're going to be logged into Facebook. You're going to be logged into Twitter. You're going to be logged into LinkedIn, right? So these threat actors are targeting those individuals. And because you're logged into all these services, you've got session tokens and whatever, however this malware works, 
the second it detonates on the box, they steal your credentials and now they're effectively logged in to your Facebook business account. And once they're in there, they can do things like change the password, you know, disable MFA, right? And then re-enable it with a token that they have. They can screw with you, okay? And obviously if it's high profile accounts, that's not gonna be good for anyone. So what I would encourage you to do, if you are an organization that's, you know, running marketing PR, um, for internally, or, you know, um, if you're a company that does it as an outsource and you have multiple businesses that you're managing, make sure you educate that user base. This is a very specific targeted end user group, really a department that you should be educating. Hey, like, Hey, 30, even I might even Here's what I would do for this particular story, okay? I've done this before. It's very effective. Call whoever's in charge of that department, head of PR, head of what at marketing. Do both. I don't care. And say, hey, like, they're definitely going to have a weekly meeting as a team, okay? Just say, hey, I'd love to get five minutes at the beginning of your weekly meeting to share a very pressing matter that involves you. They're going to let you talk. They want to know these things. It's your job to make them aware of that. That's why you attend the threat briefing, right? You're not going to tell them about the WordFly data breach because they don't care about that. You will tell them about this, right? So just get in there and say, hey, just be mindful of when you're logged in to LinkedIn and Facebook. You can do that, but threat actors are sending DMs with attachments via LinkedIn, and this is how they pop you. Awareness, right? And then you could play the G.I. Joe knowing's half the battle sound effect and then throw a smoke bomb and ninja your way out of there, okay? But that is the most effective way to educate your staff on this. Get on their weekly meeting and spend five minutes on it. And by the way, don't do it all the time. And that way, when you do do it, it has higher impact and, and, and it resonates with them a lot better because you're taking time to give them a personalized message to help them protect themselves from damaging the organization. Amateurs cuffed by cops after sensors disabled. Spain's national police say they have arrested two former government workers suspected of breaking into the computer network of the country's radioactivity alert system, RAR, and disabling more than a third of its sensors. The intrusion happened between March and June 2021, and the two suspects worked for a company contracted by Spain's General Directorate of Civil Protection and Emergencies, DGPCE. A year-long probe eventually traced a cyber attack to a computer, quote, in the public use network of a well-known establishment of hospitality in the center of Madrid, end quote, which we can interpret to be hotel Wi-Fi. The two suspects had been responsible for the maintenance program of the RAR system through a company contracted by the DGPCE, which made it easier for them to carry out the attacks and help them in their efforts to mask their off. What a bunch of peckerheads. Really? Like, what are you doing, man? You're going to... Are you like a mini-boss villain for like a, a straight-to-DVD uh, like criminal movie? Like, you're these two goons are going to disable like uh, a radioactivity alert system. Dude, that is, that is gross. That is gross. I, I do find it interesting that the intrusion happened in 2021. I mean, in, in intrusion, quote unquote intrusion, it sounds like these individuals actually had authorized access and they were just abusing it. 
but it was a year-long probe to get these guys? Dude, there's certain crimes that are just vile, right? Disabling a radioactive system? Ugh. It's gross. Um, I, but you know what? I guess it just goes to show you, you know, you might think that people aren't capable of certain things. Like there's certain uh, dependencies you might have in certain alert systems. Um, and, you know, th this can happen. I mean, we've also seen the other way. Uh, we saw it in um, Hawaii a couple years ago. Do you guys remember where there was like a like incoming intercontinental ballistic missile or incoming tsunami alert? I forget what it was, but there was like there was like a false alarm <laughs> from like a major alert system. I think it may have been a tsunami alert um, and they were testing it. But yeah, these alert systems, I mean, they're not perfect. They are typically set up and then not used very often because, you know, like these black swan events don't happen all the time. But this is gross. I hope these people get. Well, I don't want to say what I hope they get, but. This is a special kind of gross right here. But you know what? I haven't had a chance to play this in a while, and I'd like to thank law enforcement for being thorough. That's the sound of the police. All right, it's Friday. I like I like doing that. I like it. Chess robot breaks seven-year-old boy's finger during Moscow Open. Wow. Sergei Lazarev, Moscow Chess Federation president, confirmed to the TASS news agency that the robot had indeed broken the child's finger, adding, quote, this is, of course, bad, end quote. A video shared on social media shows the robot taking one of the boy's pieces. The boy then makes his own move and the robot grabs his finger. Four adults rushed to help the boy, who was eventually freed and ushered away. Mr. Lazarev said the machine had played many previous matches without incident and the young Vic able to finish the final days of the tournament wearing a cast dang dang i mean obviously obviously this sucks right you don't want to get hurt um and the boy is fine and that's okay but it, i mean this is like you think he like tried to castle after he'd already moved his rook and the, the robot's like not on my watch pal not on my watch i i hate to make light of this but um you know, it does bring to question um, the reality of cyber physical systems and how they interact with the, the world. That that robot, um, I don't know if it saw his finger as a chess piece, um, you know, or, or if it just was a complete fluke. But you've got to be mindful that the robot, it, it, you know, it's like a Terminator, right? It doesn't have emotions. It doesn't care. It's just operating its code and executing its program. And moving a piece or whatever is how it works. I mean, guys, this is a like a, a a light story in that it was just a finger. It doesn't really make mainstream news, but guys, it's not uncommon for you know those like manufacturing robots that build cars and it's like shoot, 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 right? Those things kill people. Like it happens all the time. Is a bit subjective, but it you know a couple times a year. Someone is crushed by those things or hit by those things. You've got to be careful with cyber physical systems. You got to remember it, it. It's just executing its code. It doesn't. It doesn't. It, it doesn't have emotion, right? So, you know, despite what um, you know, sentient uh, AI might do, um, this is what this is. So, very interesting. I, I look forward to going back and looking at chat. I'm sure there's some people who said something like in Russia, 
such and you know chest break you or something like that but all right so that that's our our uh news briefings for today let's throw the music back on uh that's good all right guys we definitely crushed it this week bunch of world of haiku live streams chris rock just lighting simply cyber live on fire last night the daily threat briefing every day you guys come and correct bringing the heat every single morning team replay doing their job and hopefully you guys uh brought some some great cybersecurity value to your organization good luck to those who are having the interviews mclarty i saw you um you know some of you may be having interviews and you're just keeping it on the dl because you don't want your employers to know completely understandable um let's do the raffle shall we people all right world of haiku good luck to everybody if you win the license key here contact me on discord dm me on discord or linkedin i don't care just get to me and i will get you your license key special thanks to eric basu the ceo of world of haiku for donating the five license keys please join me later today at four o'clock for the live stream good luck everybody here we go drum roll please there we go i don't have a drum roll hmm. there we go <laughs> ryu is doing it here we go good luck everybody trinity trinity is our winner nice job trinity i do love a good matrix reference not sure if that is where you pulled that name from but do love it congratulations trinity please connect with me on discord for your license key as i mentioned before i will be playing world of haiku live on stream <laughs> if you've attended the first two streams you know that i um my my system with pushing it to the limit and uh now I, I for some reason i like removed one monitor from my my setup and my machine is operating a bit better so i don't know if the third monitor uh pushed it over the edge but it doesn't matter because when i get back from black cat defcon i'm going to have a new gaming rig with an nvidia 3080 and a ryzen i i you know infinity like basically i've got hardware to the max um coming and hopefully that will solve any and all problems that we have. Whew. All right, guys. Thanks to Grayson for the joke of the week. Thanks to all of you for being here. I hope you're well. All right, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut it. I was gonna spend a minute saying what's up, but I, I think we just had a great day and I'm gonna get get to work. I got a bunch of things, bunch of meetings today. Got a meeting with Zach Hill later today. We're talking about collabing on a video. That should be fun. Be good, everybody. Take care. Thank you, hashtag Team Replay. Thank you, Team Live. Be good, and we'll see you Monday at 8 a.m. Cheers, everybody.